I sold my car five years ago. You know, I have and that when story. I'm, you're walking these days. How come? You sold I your walk, car man. to what? To, to buy Bitcoin? <laughs> yes, exactly. I sold my car. Once I understood it and it clicked for me, I was like, you know what? What am I doing with these things? I, I sold my car. I ended up moving into an apartment that was less present at the time. And then I pushed all money in Bitcoin. And after I bought, the market crashed like crazy. Everybody was laughing at me. And, but now, you know, that investment like multiplied multiple times. I want to introduce you this way. He's a rapper. He's a crypto guru altcoin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you name them. Now the hottest coin that's out there is Doge because of what uh, the South African guy, what's his name again? Elon Musk has been saying or throwing hints. But this Mm. man for me has been very helpful. I've only started my crypto journey early this year, about 6th of Jan. And I was looking for people who are doing this thing locally. And I found your tutorials on platforms like Binance, Luno. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the other one. I think Vala. Yes. So Gray Jabesi is also the vice chancellor. I've just called him the vice chancellor of Crypto University and a content creator. Also hosts a podcast, which he'll also tell us about. But, but the focus now is about cryptocurrencies because everyone is waking up to something that you guys have been awake to for the longest time. Thank you for joining me, Gray. Lovely to see you. Finally. I had to beg this thing like a hundred times. <laughs> no, but you know what it is? It's, it's that there's too much going on in our space, in the crypto space. So it's like everything is, there's a lot going on and then it's hard to find time to just, but yeah, thanks for the patience and finally we made it. So, I mean, first I have to, to make it clear that this cryptocurrency, the Dogecoin, Dogecoin is a joke coin. It's a coin, of course, but it's just a, a meme. It's a joke. So it's something that I want people to understand that it's nothing to take serious about, you know? Uh, yeah, but otherwise, I'm, otherwise crypto is real. It's an incredible market. I think it's, um, it's an alternative eco- ecosystem or economy that has been created. Uh, that is really good for people like you and I who have been financially excluded for in so many years in so many ways. So uh, that's, you know, that's pretty much why I got interested into it first. So I founded, I mean, I got into crypto. It made me quit my job once I figured it out because I figured out how it empowered me so much. And then years later now I founded a, a cryptocurrency exchange called Kodo. It's an app currently only working in Malawi because that's our market that we're trying to target. It should also be available in other African countries very soon. And then I founded Crypto University as well. And I also make music, like you said, mostly about, you know, hustling, money and cryptos, especially. So for those who are interested in that, they can go to my YouTube channel, Hardcore Crypto. And then there's so much fun to see there. Gray is already jumping the gun. He thinks this is his podcast. It's my podcast today, Gray. <laughs> let, yeah, me, you know. let me lead the way. I, I can tell you're yeah. a host. <laughs> you're right, answering right, right. your questions. Okay, let's start it from the beginning. Hmm. Is it Satoshi Nakamoto in 2008, yes. 2009? Yeah. Explain Bitcoin for someone who knows nothing because people are a bit skeptical. Mm, yeah. So... I think to understand Bitcoin easily, you need to understand money. 
And the problem that we have today in society is that we don't really understand money. Nobody teaches us what money is to the point that we think that the US dollar is money uh, or the rand is money. But then if you ask someone, why is, what is the difference between, if I ask you right now, what is the difference between this piece of paper and a 200 rand note? What is the difference? Uh, the other one has watermarks and security features and the other one they've put value on because of such things. But paper is paper, man, and paper doesn't have right. any value. Yeah, absolutely. So, the, you know, it's important to understand that concept that money is a belief system uh, and it has always evolved. It has changed in so many forms. We used to have money, you know, people were trading uh, stick. It, it, they used to trade with sticks. And then they traded with animals. You give me uh, 15 chickens, I give you a small goat. You know, that's a trade happening, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have been evolving. We got into gold. Uh, gold was, has been um, a store of value for humans for a long time. And then in the 1970s, we evolved to completely paper money. So paper money means that the money itself uh, is given value by uh, a, an institution or a government dictating. So a 200 rand note and a 100 rand note and a 10 rand note, they're all the same thing. It's the same piece of paper, but it's just that the other one, they write 10 rand on it. The other one, they write 200 on it, right? The same with the US dollar. So this all paper, but then it's, it, it doesn't have really int intrinsic value, right? Yeah. And the money that we understand as money, it's usually attached to a country. Right, gold is different because gold will be gold in South Africa, it will be gold in Ghana, in Nigeria, in America. But the rand, you can go in some spaces where nobody would want it. Like, what the hell is that? Right, so yeah. Bitcoin now coming to Bitcoin is a currency that was created, but keeping in mind the, vo the values of something like gold. Gold is considered the gold standard of currency. And there's the reason for that. It's because on its own, gold has a value, right? So you don't have to write that, oh, this gold is worth 10 Rand. No, gold, if you go to, if you take a, a, a small piece of, of gold or a gold coin, you, you go to Namibia with it, somebody will take it, won't, will buy it from you, right? Or they will exchange it for a car, whatever it is. It has value. Like I said, you take a bag of Rand or, or Zimbabwean dollars that are now worth nothing. You come to them just here in South Africa. Nobody would want them. Yeah. Right. So Bitcoin now took the, the, the gold side of things of okay, money is better if it has uh, some kind of value, but also it's decentralized. So the Rand is South African. The US dollar is American. Um, Namibia has its own currency. The Naira is Nigerian. But Bitcoin is universal. It just, it's just a Bitcoin. It's not belong to a country or an institution, meaning that there is nobody controlling it other than the people who use it. Keyword control. Mm -hmm. Well, no control. Okay. Exactly. There's no control, meaning that uh, when, COVID, when the COVID thing happened, um, the governments were printing money to, su to support the economies. They, you know, the, the government in South Africa say, oh, we're going to get X amount of money to give it to people in America, they had the, the, the severance package, whatever stimulus package, stimulus checks. Yeah. The stimulus checks yeah. give it to every American. Where, where do you think all that money is coming from? 
it's being printed by a bank. Yeah. The, the, the Fed Central just bank. say, okay, yeah. the central bank would say, okay, we need X amount of money and they print more. And, and I know that a lot, a lot of people don't know about these things because again, we don't learn about money. So that is bad if you have a currency that is controlled by a group of people who can just say, let's print more, let's print more. You devalue the currency. Now, if you do that too much, you're going to have the Zimbabwe situation where it used to have so much value and then it drops and then you're going to have papers that are worth nothing. Then you need to take a wheelbarrow just to, to go buy a piece of bread, right? Okay. So right now in America, uh, their currency is already going through that. Whereas Bitcoin, it's created by a person or a group of people we don't know. It has rules that are clear that, okay, this is how it works. It has a limited supply, which means you cannot print, keep printing more of it. Right, At we the know that there's we have about the... 18 million, right? But the total is 21. Yeah, exactly. We have 18 million in circulation, but the total will be 21 million coins that will ever be printed, will ever be mined. You have to mine it, right? Okay. And then uh, that is a big uh, sort of difference because when I started buying bitcoins, one bitcoin could not even buy you uh, a nice pair of shoes. When was this, Gray? When did you get started? Uh, I mean, this was about maybe six years ago. Okay. 2014, right? 15? 2015, yeah. 2015, 2016-ish. Was, was so, this during the time of Triple M? Because that's the first time I heard about Bitcoin. Were you in South Africa at that time? Yes, but I heard it on Reddit. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, at the time it wasn't really, it was still, I mean, the weird thing now, if I look back, I didn't, I just didn't have the money to buy a lot of it. Right. Uh, it was relatively cheap. You couldn't buy one Bitcoin could not buy you a lot. It was just like, ah, you know, it's one Bitcoin, a few thousand Rand, but now one Bitcoin, I mean, a few years later after that, one Bitcoin could now buy you a car. But even now one big, even back then, did you get the concept though? of what these new digital coins what were and what they were supposedly doing or what yes. the, the, the aim was behind them? You know what? I, I, I would tell you this. So being African, I think, makes, a lot of, makes this concept easy to understand, right? For example, uh, I've seen this happen in so many ways. Hmm. If you explain Bitcoin to a Zimbabwean person, it doesn't take too much for them to understand because they know what, what it means for a currency to get devalued so quickly, right? So for me, I've had that kind of experience before. Uh, there was a time that, you know, I, I, I was saving at some point and then something happened and the bank froze my account before, right? I was like, okay, this is the, I think I had like maybe 20,000 rand for the first time that I ever saved. And then the bank froze their account for, you know, for some nebulous reason. So that made me question that, oh, so if I'm claiming that I do have money, but then the bank can freeze it, is that really my money or what? You know, I started questioning those kind of things. So when I came across Bitcoin, all those things started to connect that, oh, you know, actually for you to be financially free, you need to have financial control. And then Bitcoin is designed in a way that it gives you control because you're not necessarily giving your money to an institution to keep it for you. You can keep it by yourself or you can choose to keep it to someone. And here's why, because it's easier to keep. You can keep it on a wallet in, in your phone. You can keep it in a hardware wallet. You can keep it on a piece of paper. Whereas you cannot keep a million or even a hundred thousand rand in your house always and feel safe, right? Okay, but when we hear of Bitcoin, we always hear of this technology called blockchain. Can mm. you, in a simple way, 
brief and simple way, explain what blockchain is and why sure. it's so important as a technology for these currencies or digital currencies. So blockchain was first was is a technology that was first um, used with Bitcoin. That's, you know, the proof of concept came out of that. Uh, but it's a way of storing information in multiple places. But then for the information to now be moved or changed, they need to be consensus. So I'll give you an example. Um, you have a bank account with FNB, right? FNB has a big, a big server. They, all their data is kept in that, right? And they have your name and your balance and the information and all that. So anybody at FNB who works there, they can simply log in in the system and go to your account profile, change the numbers. Um, they, maybe you had 20,000 right now. They can say, okay, let's change this guy to 10,000. Or they could put 100,000. Uh, his name is this, but let's change it and give him this name, right? Mm -hmm. uh, his address is this and they change it. Whereas, and they can just save it without you knowing, without you wanting, and nobody knows of that. A blockchain, however, is a way where the data, instead of just sitting in one server, where somebody can simply control everything, like how the banks work or how Facebook works, it's distributed. That's why it's also referred to as a distributed ledger technology, okay, right? Okay. So in the Bitcoin, it has a piece of paper like this. So when Bitcoin is mined, it's okay, Bitcoin number one created, then it's transferred to this address. And then before, the other, before you transfer the Bitcoin, the network, which is, you, you heard of a process called mining, right? Yes. Bitcoin mining, yeah. So mining is essentially people with big computers, that involved in a process of confirming transactions to verify if things are true. But then for something to be verified as true or false, multiple computers have to look at the history of the data and confirm. So if five computers say that's true, but six computers say that's not, that transaction is not going to happen. So it's kind of a, um, a robust way of storing data and uh, I think improving privacy. And this information that you've just given, if five say it's true and six say it's not, or if five say it's not and six say it is, is this uh, the system that everyone has been saying it's uncorrupt, incorruptible, and it can't be hacked? Is that what determines those decisions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because for you, for example, in the Bitcoin network, for you to... The, the, the biggest thing that Bitcoin and its blockchain achieved was the, dub, the double spending problem, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can take the same amount of money and spend, spend it multiple times. This happens with banks all the time because computers are good at copying and pasting things. But what this blockchain solved was that, okay, data is now being treated as an object like this, right? Um, normally on computers, you can simply copy a song and send it to a friend and he's going to send it to a friend and he's going to send it to a friend, right? Then you have all the same copies yeah. and that's double spending. While as blockchain works like this, like say Bitcoin, you cannot copy this same song to you. For me to send you this song or this money, I need to break it a little bit, send you a piece, then I have this remaining. Right. So it's just, uh, uh, you know, a way of making sure that there is there's data integrity and things are not going uh, horribly wrong. I don't know if I answered the question. correctly. I get you. So when you started out, we know there's a lot of skepticism. People are not too sure and not able to trust because there's been a lot of bogus entities coming up. I remember in 2017, my brother took me to a to a presentation. And that was mm -hmm. around about the same time as Triple M was phasing out. 
So there was something called Bitcoin Club or Bitcoin Millionaire Club. So it took me to this thing. I was listening. I'm thinking, man, this sounds like a, a pyramid scheme. Cut a long story short, yeah. that scheme went under and my brother mm-hmm. lost some money in that. And I was like, I told you. But my thing personally with the Bitcoin and these technologies, altcoins and cryptocurrencies was that I did not understand the technology. But since I joined Luno, thanks to you for giving me a tutorial on your YouTube channel, Hardcore Crypto, I was able to, to use those, those platforms, right? As I was saying, mm-hmm. Vala is one of them. Uh, altcoin trader. I don't think I found altcoin trader from you. I think I saw Luno and Vala and Binance on your platform. Mm. But there are so many platforms, right? With so many coins. Uh, over a thousand coins, right? 6,000 right now. So what do all these technologies do? For example, there's Bitcoin. The second biggest is Ethereum in terms of market cap, Mm. right? How Mm. does Ethereum work as opposed to Bitcoin? What's the thinking behind that project? I know they call them projects, right? (laughs) What does that project specifically look at? Okay, so when it comes to, I mean, it's, it's very confusing. Uh, to have all these coins in one market and all that. And eventually, the more you dig into it, the more you learn. But just like the stock market works, it's like you have, you know, the S&P 500 is what most people know. It's kind of like 20 stocks that actually people know about. And then there's all the other ones. We can tell you, do a lot of people from the US. Yeah, we talk of the JSE top 40. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I am, that's actually a very good point. At the same time, I Bitcoin made me think internationally now. So I trade in all markets. I trade on the JSC. I trade in multiple markets. But yeah, so I follow where the money is. So the 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 most important thing that people need to understand is to not confuse themselves with all these other coins. The real thing here that was a breakthrough technology was Bitcoin, and it's still Bitcoin. It has been around for a long time. It has never been hacked before. And if you look at the institutions now, uh, they're now buying Bitcoin. There's a, a kind of a, a race for accumulating Bitcoin because it has limited supply. In November 20, in August 2020, uh, MicroStrategy came out and bought 420 million worth of Bitcoins. That portfolio now for them is worth over a billion dollars, right? Wow. So I, don't, I think for a lot of people who are more likely who are watching this are new to this market, they should rather focus on accumulating as much Bitcoin as possible because the altcoins, a lot of them are scams or, or they just, they will fail. They're startups, right? People who have an idea and then it's easy to raise money in cryptocurrency by issuing a token. And then people buy the token with Bitcoin, they make money and then uh, the coin will just die a slow death. Whereas Bitcoin, it has been around for over 10 years now. It's more likely to exist again in the next uh, many years to come. So I, I don't like to talk about altcoins too much until I'm engaging with an audience that's now in within, then they know what we're talking about. In your opinion, why are governments seemingly against or reluctant towards these currencies or Bitcoin specifically? Well, it, it, it depends which governments are you talking to. Are you talking about which ones? Okay. Our governments, for, African governments or foreign governments? For example, the U.S. Hmm. Okay, so the, the U.S., uh, again, this is my perspective on this. The U.S. Is... Okay, let me make an example. With what's happening mm-hmm. right now with Ripple, right? With the, is it the SEC mm-hmm. and that, the yeah. legal issues around that? 
So hence I'm okay, saying there's so, reluctance and they, they seemingly want to have control over these, these, these currencies. Okay, yeah. So this is a, a fundamentally a new concept, right? Uh, remember, you know, people who work in this, when you say governments, it's people, you know, it's people who work in these institutions. They received certain types of training to think in certain types of ways and they have regulations around how things should work, basically. And then you're now dealing with a new technology that is defying what they think things should work like and things are moving so fast. And there's also another element of it in which they're scared of losing power because there's a real risk yeah. of them losing power. Things that the CIA is used to things that they can control, right? You use a Google phone or you use Google, they can go to Google, collect all your data, do whatever they do. Now they're scared of like, okay, now people can, can send or spend billions or millions on the internet with networks that they know nothing about. Right. So there is just a threat. Now, there is now African governments, which are the, the biggest problem, I think. Uh, these guys, they look at what the, the white man is t- would, would tell them first. It's hard for them to come to their own conclusion and say, OK, according to our situation, this is what we need to do. They wait for the masters to be like, OK, uh, this is now the new way of doing things. If you look at it, you see that across the continent, we haven't really come up with ways to do things our own way that suits our situations. We're always looking up to whatever the West does, we just look and copy. And I think that's what we're dealing with right now. Most uh, reserve banks or governments haven't really been clear with what they want to do or how they want to regulate cryptos. But, you know, I'm going sideways with this thing. I get you. There's something about the Data Protection Act. We are using a template that's been devised in in the EU. (laughs) I think that came out in about 2016. Yeah, yep. frustrating. I remember that. Anyway, our governments are, are led by old people, man. We need to take over. Tell me something. Um, is, it, is, it, is there still time for me to invest in this thing? I'm actually looking at uh, coin. What's it called, man? Coin market coin cap. Coin market cap, yeah. Coin, I, mm. I, I, I think you were also looking at coin gecko the other day. But I'm looking at coin yeah. market cap right now. Bitcoin is at about 33,890 at the moment. Right, mm. that's close to five hundred thousand or around five hundred thousand rands if we're talking South Africa, mm. right? But mm. this thirty-three nine sixty-four is U.S. dollars. Mm. Can I still invest? Because a lot of people want to say I can't afford it. I don't have thirty-three thousand. I don't have a five hundred thousand just lying around to buy Bitcoin. I can't afford one Bitcoin. So what can I do if I want to get involved? So you need to, to, to buy in small bits. Bitcoin is highly divisible. You can buy $100 worth of Bitcoin, I mean, 100 Rand worth of Bitcoin, 200 Rand, 300, whatever amount you have. The most important thing is to get started, but think long-term because, you know, you, you should be getting into this uh, thinking about three to five years trajectories, right? Mm-hmm. Because you just have to look at the evidence that's there. Since Bitcoin started in 2009, it has, and to up to now, it has been going almost over 100% every year on average. I mean, it does not mean that in between it does not have dips. Yeah. You can find a bearish year, but then over time, it equates to, it's been equating to 100% a year. So if you're, I mean, in, in 2017, at the beginning, Bitcoin was only worth $900. Not, you know, it was nothing. I remember the beginning of 2016, we we're buying Bitcoins at 6,000 Rand. 5,000, 6,000 Rand. And then uh, at the end of 2020, it went all the way to, at 2017, it went all the way to um, about 300,000 Rand. 
right? Wow. So there is definitely opportunities, but you need to think long-term and also understand these things. Uh, the, the, the problem that people make is that they think of this as a get-rich-quick scheme. I buy and they're watching, okay, when do I really make the money? Okay. You know, I sold, my, I sold my car five years ago. You know, I have and that when story. I, You're walking these days. How come? You sold walk, your car to, what, to, to buy Bitcoin? <laughs> yes, exactly. I sold my car. Once I understood it and it clicked for me, I was like, you know what? What am I doing with these things? I, I sold my car. I ended up moving into an apartment that was less present at the time. And then I pushed all money in Bitcoin. And after I bought, the market crashed like crazy. Everybody was laughing at me. And, but now, you know, that investment like multiplied multiple times, you know. So uh, it's, just, but it's time. It takes time. So you can get like, you can invest like people who bought it last year. Bitcoin in March at the beginning of the lockdowns, it was about $3,800 per mm. Bitcoin. By the end of the year, it was um, four hundred. It was over five hundred thousand rand. And right? that's when I started waking so, up to it. <laughs> there you go. So it's not too late because when I was buying bitcoins, even back in the day, I felt that I'm late. I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is a few thousand rand, or I think it was two thousand five hundred rand or something. I was like, oh, now I wish I knew about this when it was one hundred, because then the two thousand five hundred was a lot for me at the mm. time. I couldn't even buy one at once. I was buying, you know, in small bits and there and there. But you feel that it's expensive. And then it gets to 10,000. You're like, ah, oh, I wish I had bought, I had taken all the savings and just bought, bought more. I'm not saying you should buy with all your savings. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. And then it's to 20,000. You're like, oh, $10,000 was cheap, actually. So it just keeps going. So how do, do I, as an individual, as an individual, yeah. get to, to trade or to buy these new coins, these digital coins and altcoins? Um, I think you shouldn't worry about buying too many different coins. That's what people should avoid first. Buy Bitcoin, right? If you have a good enough of Bitcoin, then you can start you know, jumping into Ethereum and other things that you can understand because um, Bitcoin is easy to understand and it has a lot of consensus. It has a lot, a lot of liquidity. Some of these other coins, you need to know what you're doing by the time you do them. So if you want to buy, simply use the link in the description of this video and go to Luno. I put the Luno link in the description and Valor and or Binance and then get your first Bitcoins, right? Just start, start it. What I recommend is uh, what I call dollar cost averaging in which um, I've been doing that since I started buying, which I was taking a, a, a portion of my salary and I was buying Bitcoin each and every month right okay going okay going. so, that, so that's what, what dollar cost averaging is because i've been looking at these groups on facebook and a lot of people say there was this one particular guy who was saying he's putting out 500 rands every week towards yeah. his bitcoin investment someone was saying about 2000 or 1000 rands every month mm. into his bitcoin wallet so yeah. is that what this dollar cost averaging is Exactly. Because, and here's why it makes a lot of sense because markets move all the time, you know, and uh, if you go into one position, let's say right now, BDC is at um, uh, 500,000 Rand. You're talking right? to novices here. Novices. So what's BDC? Oh, BTC. Oh, BTC. BTC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So B BTC is trading at 526,000 Rand, right? If you take your money and you, th let's say you throw, 500,000 on it on one price point. And it drops by on the next 
two months it drops by 15%, then you feel like you're losing, right? Whereas you, if you're buying at different price points over time, you buy it in different prices, meaning that at the end, you're, you're buying it at an average price, right? Which is much better over time than someone who just bought at one point and then uh, the market took it deep over time. So that's the math. Great. That, 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 that's made sense. I've, I've mm-hmm. always heard of this term, dollar cost, what? Dollar cost averaging. Dollar cost averaging, yes. Okay. You've made it clear to me.